But I think if we're not being included in that narrative and in that kind of decision-making process of which stories to include, obviously the stories we want to see be included are not going to be included. So I think it just is a matter of having more news outlets actually led by Gen Z and more news outlets actually including Gen Z in the conversation. Every journalist should strive to represent and reflect the concerns and views of a variety of audiences. But sometimes the members of a particular audience may get tired of waiting to be noticed. I'm Michael O'Connell. This is It's All Journalism. At the age of 13, Olivia Seltzer started The Cram, a daily newsletter with the goal of changing the world one cram at a time and creating activists out of the next generation by informing them about the world's happenings. Welcome to the podcast, Olivia. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be speaking with you. Okay. So now you, you start out with a very lofty goal. What inspired you to launch the uh, cram? Right after the 2016 presidential election, all anyone at my junior high school could really talk about was news and politics. And the majority of the people at my school are Latinx, and many of their parents are actually undocumented immigrants. So there was definitely this sense that what was going on in our government was impacting us all in a very big way. But at the same time, I found that none of us are really reading or watching the news because the news is primarily written by and geared toward an older demographic. And I saw this as a huge problem for a variety of reasons, because we weren't actually reading or watching the news, and then we thus weren't being informed about what was going on in the world. We didn't actually have the power or the tools to take the future into our own hands and really make a difference and participate in the making of our world. So my whole life, I've always really loved writing. So I figured I would create the solution, the cram. So each morning I wake up at 5 a.m. to read the news, create relevant stories, and then rewrite them in a way that relates and connects to 12 to 25 year olds. Then I send this out in a five minute email, text, Instagram story, or video to our readers who come from over 100 countries all over the world. You know, I'm, I'm always fascinated in things like this when people see a need and then they sort of jump on it and create something. Let's talk sort of in practical terms. How did you decide that, okay, I need to do a newsletter and how did you find the resources to do that? I think newsletters were a format that were becoming increasingly popular. My mom was subscribed to a few of them. So I think I saw that as a really efficient, easy, or not easy, but you know, Route that I, as a, at the time, a 13 year old girl could take to really bring my idea into reality. My ultimate goal with the cram is to create something you would get from traditional media. So a 24 hour live news site updating as events are happening around the world with correspondents and journalists all over the world. And then with more video features. But as a high schooler who goes to school six hours a day, that's not really, <laughs> that's something that is super realistic right now for me. So I think the newsletter was something that I was like, okay, I can write this in two hours and I can be done with it before I go to school. So I think I saw that as a really efficient format. From there, it was really about trying to figure out the different programs I would be using to really bring my idea into reality. I had experimented a bit before with coding and web design. I taught myself when I was eight how to build websites because I just kind of saw that as a tool that if I ever down the road wanted to create something, that that would be something that was very helpful. So. At that point, I really felt like I had all the tools necessary to really make the cram a reality. So what about those first few weeks in doing it? What were kind of the things that you sort of had to tackle to, uh, to get into this regular schedule? Time is always the biggest hurdle. When I first came up with the cram, I literally just locked myself in my room and just typed up a newsletter to see how long it would take me and if it was actually 
realistic. And it took me two hours. And I think I figured that the more I did the cram, the less time it would take me. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll wake up at 6.30 and write in in half an hour or so and then go to school. And then that never really ended up happening. (laughs) So time definitely getting myself to wake up at 5 a.m. every day since that definitely was not something that I was doing. I'm someone who likes to sleep a lot. And then aside from that, like I've never had a publicist. I've never you know, put money into trying to help the cram reach a larger audience. So really trying to figure out ways to maximize our, our impact and really help get it to as many Gen Zers as possible. I really have utilized Instagram and social media in that. And I think we really, we really worked on building grassroots movement. So something that we did do was we went to different college campuses and we literally just had like clipboards and we just like asked people to sign up and give us their email addresses. And that was a way that we were able to expand very quickly. Cool. That's actually really kind of smart. Who do you see as your core audience? Primarily Gen Z. And Gen Z, I believe, is between the ages of 7 and like 23, 24. So we focus mostly on like 12 to 25-year-olds. But the cram, the really the incredible thing about that is that we've started to see readers of really all ages start to read the cram. And they like it for how engaging it is. It's accessible news. It doesn't really have those like those context barriers that traditional media sometimes has. So I think that that's been the really incredible thing that we've seen. It really appeals to people of all ages. So what what is the feedback that you're getting from these readers? So we've seen young people really just it, like, honestly, it's been the most incredible thing because I set out to start the cram to educate and activate. That's our motto or our mission statement or whatever. (laughs) And what's been cool is that we've really seen young people actually doing that. We've had young people organize marches and rallies at their schools for things from gun violence to sexual assault to climate change. We've had people even just tell me that they decided to participate in March for Our Lives or Fridays for Future because they read about it in the cram. We've had people create clubs at their schools to discuss political events and then each month take an action to try and raise awareness about that event. Young people even just going out to vote and saying that they now feel informed enough to be able to vote and to exercise that right. We've had young people just start having even the important conversations about the issues that matter and really begin raising awareness in that kind of sense. So the feedback has really just been so incredible to hear these countless stories of young people really just using the cram exactly how I had hoped that it would really be used. Tell me about how you choose your stories. What types of stories are your your uh, readers interested in? And, and what is it you're looking for each morning when you uh, try to put something together? So that's a really big aspect of the cram that I feel like something that my generation has really taken issue with in traditional medium is the kinds of stories that they give more attention and more space to. And I think that there's this feeling among my generation that the stories that maybe deserve more attention that are really impacting people, but then in the same sense, maybe aren't as sensational, like climate change or more humanitarian issues, like what was happening in Sudan a few months ago, or the Amazon fires was something that my generation really wanted there to be more media coverage around. And then actually we were able to rally enough so that there was more media coverage or the Rohingya and Bangladesh and Myanmar, the Uyghur Muslims in China. So different stories like that, that I think people really there's not maybe this greater awareness of it. And my generation really feels like there should be. So I really make sure to spotlight those kinds of stories. And actually, we have an editorial team made up of about 15 teens from all over the world. And I think that that's a really important part of the cram because 
there's the perspective that I bring as, you know, 16-year-old girl living in California with my background and religion and nationality and ethnicity. But I think it's really important that Gen Z is really represented as a broad spectrum of all of those different aspects and that we really have that all represented in the media. So the editorial team will actually, from their respective places around the world, will send me different news stories every day that they believe should be included in the frame. So how did you get this team together? It was honestly something that never sought out these people. They were really kind enough to approach me and say that they'd been reading Cram and really wanted to get involved, or maybe that they wanted to be journalists one day. So that really prompted me to start to try and find ways for young people to get involved in the Cram. And that's actually become now one of my favorite parts of the Cram, that we now have over 350 youth ambassadors all over the world who all participate in a variety of different ways. You know, you've been doing this for a few years. Are there any experiences that have come out of this that really, you know, you feel really proud of? So many, yeah, which I, I feel so honored and proud to be able to say that. I think from a personal standpoint, I used to be painfully shy. I had severe social anxiety. Like it literally was to the point where I would feel nauseous and my heart would be pounding ahead of even just like going to hang out with close friends. So for me, starting the cram, that was something that was very comfortable. That was a way I could really see myself getting involved and being an activist was typing a newsletter alone all by myself at 5 a.m. But then I realized to really push that out there and, like I said, maximize its impact. I really had to put myself out there and really take a huge leap outside my comfort zone. And I now feel really proud that the cram has really helped me really become trying to figure out how to phrase this, but become less of a shy person and become much more comfortable. And it really was little steps. Like I remember a really big moment for me was I attended the Teen Vogue Summit in Los Angeles in 2017. And Elaine Welteroth was there and she was the editor in chief of Teen Vogue at the time. And I saw her and I remember just screaming her name and like, Elaine, Elaine. And she came over and she actually just signed up for the cram right then and there. So that was a really big moment for me because that was something I was terrified to do, to just put myself out there like that. But then a few months ago, it's led up to, I spoke at NATO Engages in London in front of 1,600 world leaders. I took the stage after Justin Trudeau. So that was a really huge moment for me, just going from those little steps to now like actually speaking on a world stage. So that was, that was definitely from a personal standpoint, really important. Yeah. And none of that would have happened if you hadn't decided to do this, right? Yeah, yes. And that's what I think is just so cool that the goal for the Korean was really to help Gen Z as a whole, but just to see how much it's really helped me as a person. Yeah. And the nice thing about it is, I mean, you had these opportunities to meet these people, to speak at these events. That also feeds back to the Cram. That increases your exposure exactly. uh, and, yeah. and hopefully get, gets more audience from it. So it, it all kind of just sort of snowballs, really. Yeah. And that's what's been so cool about it. Yeah, this is a pretty amazing project, and clearly you're you're proud of it, and you should be proud of it. You know, again, being able to 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 see a need and then going after it and then staying with it is something that's really kind of admirable. What about your family? What does your family think about all this? My family has just been so incredibly supportive. I don't really know how many times that I've gone to grab my computer at five a.m. and my dog has barked at me and that's woken up my whole house. So I really appreciate them being good about that. But they were the ones who, really my whole life, my parents instilled this sense in me that if I wanted to start something, I was completely capable of it, no matter my age. They always told me, you know, if you want to be an author one day, write a book now. So I did. Like, I wrote a 400-page book when I was, like, 
11 or something because they told me that that was something that I was capable of doing. And I think that just growing up with that kind of entrepreneurial mind, mindset that if I really have a dream, I can achieve it regardless of being a 13 year old girl at the time that I started the cram. So I think that they've been so supportive in that way of always encouraging me to sounds cliche, but you know, follow my dreams and that I really have the power even as a young person to accomplish them. One of the things I wanted to, to, to circle back on is something you sort of mentioned in passing about the mainstream media, the traditional media outlets aren't covering necessarily the stories of interest to Generation Z. Why do you think that is? I don't know if it's necessarily an intentional thing. I think that different news stories appeal to different groups of people. And I think that traditional media is really, really great for the people it's intended for. But I also think in the same respect, there really is such a huge, huge gap in the media when it comes to news for Gen Z. And I think if Gen Z themselves are not being represented in the media, so if these companies are not being run by Gen Zers, which I mean, makes sense because we're teens and even younger. <laughs> but I think if we're not being included in that narrative and in that kind of decision-making process, which stories to include, obviously the stories we want to see be included are not going to be included. So I think it just is a matter of having more news outlets actually led by Gen Z and more news outlets actually including Gen Z in the conversation. Yeah. Now, where do you see this going? And where, I mean, the cram has come pretty far in a relatively short period of time. And, you know, you're, <laughs> you're getting older and I'm sure you're making, you're starting to think about a lot of, you know, directions you want to go with your life. Where do you see the cram headed? It's really my greatest passion in life. I always knew that I wanted to do something with writing. And I always knew that I wanted to, whatever I did in my life, devote much of my time to philanthropy and to helping people. So I see the cram really as a perfect intersection between the two of those things. So it's something that I really would like to continue working on my entire life. As I mentioned before, I really would love to expand on our newsletter format and really start doing original reporting and have a 24-hour live news site and introduce more video features. So I think that it's really something that I'm in for the long haul. I've been asked before about like what I'll do when I get older and if the cram is primarily just for Gen Z. So as Gen Z gets older, what that will look like. And I really see the cram as being for young people, regardless of who those young people are. Because when Gen Z becomes in their 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and even older, then we will have resources that are for that age group. But the younger generation of that time will not. So I think if that means that I will not be writing the cram at that time when I become of a different age, then that's good with me because I think that the cram really needs to be whatever it needs to be for the youngest generation. But I always would like to have some sort of involvement in the cram. What is it that, you know, I'm a, I'm a much older person than you. What would you say to a news editor about Generation Z that may, they may not know, or maybe they're getting wrong, or they just don't care or, or appear to care, or they don't know about? What What would you say? Well, one, we're not millennials. <laughs> That's something that I see people get as confused with. Millennials, we're not. And the cram is, millennials, of course, can read the cram, but our target audience is currently Gen Z. And then I think another thing about Gen Z is that since right now, many of us are teenagers, of teenagers being apathetic to what's going on in the world and being more concerned with what's on our phones and social media and taking selfies, like that kind of thing. I don't think that really applies to Gen Z. And I'm not going to generalize. I'm not going to say they're 
our Gen Zers who are not that way. But I think that there is this collective feeling among Gen Zers. I think especially because of things like climate change, we have this urgency and this sense that we are really the last line of defense to help fix the countless problems in our world. And I think that's really led to us being kind of the activism generation. And even if people aren't actually putting themselves out there as activists, the conversations I've had with people and all kinds of people at school really show that my generation really, really does care about what's going on in the world and really wants to make a difference in whatever way they can. I'm really kind of astounded, Olivia, uh, with who you are and what you are doing. I think it's very admirable. I think where you've come in such a short period of time it is so far. And I'm always an admirer of somebody who, I'll say it again, who, who sees a need and then steps into the gap and tries to fill it. You've identified an audience that needs information, that wants to have their voice heard, that can make a change or make differences in the world. And I think stepping forward and doing that is a really admirable thing. Olivia, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the people who make the news. You can find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. While you're visiting our website, why not sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter? You'll get all the latest info about our podcast, including episode notes and news about live events and upcoming interviews. Go to itsalljournalism.com to subscribe. It takes a lot of people to create an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicole Grisco produced this episode. Amber Healy wrote our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music. Emilia Brust helped with our booking. Nicholas Hunter provided a web assist. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Thanks for listening.